What's your favorite scary movie? We're gonna press on and we're gonna have the hap hap happiest Christmas. I'll never turn to the dark side. Enter Ben Walk Can you introduce me as Joker? Hi everybody and welcome back to Phil at the Movies. I'm your host, Phil Walsh, and you're listening to episode number 92 of this ongoing podcast series that is for the love of movies, second episode of 2024, and the last episode of season two. Next week's show will mark the beginning of season three. Now on to a third season of doing this podcast show. I began back in 2022. Where does the time fly? But as I've said every time, or for most times, I guess, it is all for the love of movies. And I want to thank you, as always, for being a part of this cinematic journey with me. I want to thank you for your comments, for your feedback, for your engagement, and most important of all, your friendship. So thank you for continuing to tune in each and every week. Going to keep doing this show as long as my uh, my voice will let me, as long as there are movies, which for, uh, fortunately there does not seem to be a short supply of films to talk about these days. And certainly now as we are entering what is uh, affectionately known as award season, there's going to be a lot on the docket in the coming weeks. And certainly as, uh, as I approach the 100th episode of the show, which should be right around the time of the Oscars in March. I uh, have to plan a little something special to uh, mark the occasion. But uh, in any event, I wanted to sort of do a, another smorgasbord uh, show, if you will. I had originally planned to do a full episode dedicated to uh, to poor things, but given that it won uh, the Golden Globes last week for Best uh, Musical or Comedy, uh, I figured... Let's let's wait. I'm going to hold off and do a full review and discussion of it uh, in a future episode, kind of as we get closer into award season, because I'm expecting that it will be a, uh, a much-talked-about contender, particularly as we get closer to the Oscars. All I will say uh, in regards to poor things, and I've sort of teased it out uh, with last week's show, uh, but... It is twisted and it is beautiful. A Frankenstein-like monster of a movie in the best possible way. And so I will, I will leave you with that uh, sort of uh, image, if you will. Uh, but uh, we're, we're, truly, words cannot describe this film. It is something that you, you have to see for yourself. But any event, let's start with the, the Golden Globes. Those were last weekend. And Oppenheimer, or uh, should I say uh, Sweepenheimer, as the, uh, the hashtag is on social media, uh, I, I'll promise not to be uh, too insufferable with that. Though uh, I, I, I do have to say, uh, when it comes to Oppenheimer and its, uh, its awards talk and, and uh, accolades, throughout this season, I can already tell you I'm going to be insufferable in that regard for the next two months. So uh, buckle up, because there's going to be any chance I can talk about Oppenheimer or Christopher Nolan, uh, I'm going to do so. But no, the Golden Globes were last Sunday, and uh, quite quite a, a, a sweep, if you will, for, for Oppenheimer. Not only did it win Best Supporting Actor for Robert Downey Jr., but Best Actor 
in a drama went to Killian Murphy. Christopher Nolan took home Best Director, which certainly puts him in the front-runner category to take home the Best Director Oscar at the Academy Awards. So uh, fingers crossed that uh, Nolan's time has uh, has indeed come. Uh, and lastly, Oppenheimer took home Best Picture uh, of the Year in the Drama category. So certainly was a big night for the film And I have to say, I mean, I know I've mentioned it a few times on this show, and I'm sure I will mention it a few more times, but this is, without question, one of the best movies in recent years. And I say that in recent years because just the the breadth and the scope of Oppenheimer is really something to to behold and, and to watch. This is not a traditional biopic, and I almost wouldn't even call it a biopic because it's not like it is necessarily documenting from cradle to grave of of Robert Oppenheimer. It's more about a particular moment in this man's life in, in U.S. history and, frankly, in world history and the subsequent fallout, no pun intended, from, from said events, i.e. the development and ultimate use of the first atomic bomb. And I rewatched the film recently, and the performance by Killian Murphy, it is hauntingly beautiful. We really get a portrait of somebody who is a complicated and, frankly, multi-layered man who, I mean, arguably was one of the most important people, if not the most important person of the 20th century, and perhaps in world history, given... Uh, given his contribution and development of of the bomb, but again, I'm just continue to be amazed uh, by this performance, and I won't reiterate what I have said again. But I am just delighted to see this film achieving it, it, its uh, its its awards and recognition. And not that obviously awards are everything, not that box office receipts are everything, because a film can earn no awards and be a great film. Film can make no money and be a great film. It doesn't always correlate, but Oppenheimer really has found that sweet spot. I mean, a, an R-rated three-hour film about the development and use of the atomic bomb that is largely a dialogue-heavy film has made almost a billion dollars worldwide and is a front-runner for certainly the Academy Awards this year and has already racked up a number of impressive accolades and, and certainly more, I think, to, uh, to follow. But it's it, it just a, it, it's such a, a monumental film and Christopher Nolan, as I've indicated, is my favorite uh, filmmaker. I know, spoiler alert, <laughs> surprise, surprise there. Um, but it's just, it's really wonderful uh, as being a fan of his work to see him recognized uh, with this film. And, and I, I do think it is his crowning achievement. I mean, I, I love all of his films. Certainly anyone who's listened to the show knows my, uh, my love uh, and admiration for, for The Dark Knight and, and his Batman trilogy as a whole. But Oppenheimer really is the culmination of all of his talents and skills to, to create a film that, I mean, it's, it's been called the, the movie of the century. And I, I think that is an, an accurate uh, statement. It's not an, an overstatement. I mean, a lot of times as we get into award season, there'll be a film that sort of becomes a favorite, but it's it's more just kind of there on the award circuit, so to speak. But uh, Oppenheimer, I really feel, has something to say. And that's not to diminish any other film that's in the running now or, frankly, in past years. But, but there's something different about Oppenheimer, and I think maybe because 
the way our world has sort of uh, revolved today or how you know everything old is new again and 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 nuclear weapons are on top of everyone's mind in a way that they haven't been for for decades uh, this film is really impactful and, and important and it and it has something to say but it's not preachy it's not it's not trying to force a take one way or another it's more or less presenting all of the facts all of the uh, the figures so to speak and 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 then kind of presenting it in a way that is dramatic and compelling but then ultimately sort of leaving it to the audience to wrestle with the dilemma that these characters or these these real life people were wrestling with at the time and 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 uh you know quote unquote actors are are wrestling with here today so i i just i i'm i'm in love with this film i think it is it is easily nolan's finest hour and uh again i'm looking forward to 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 discussing it more and more in the coming weeks so you know full full disclosure ahead but uh yeah, so that was the uh, the big takeaway from the Golden Globes. Oppenheimer was a was a big winner. Uh, Poor Things uh, also, as I mentioned, was a another uh, big winner that night. Emma Stone took home Best Actress in the role uh, of Bella for uh, uh, Best Actress in a, a Musical or Comedy on the uh, on the drama end. Lily Gladstone won for Killers of the Flower Moon, and it really seems to be a, uh, a you know. A horse race, if you will, between uh, the two of them. I mean, I would probably give a slight edge to Lily Gladstone. Uh, her performance as Molly in Killers of the Flower Moon, and that's another one I'm going to do a more in-depth discussion. I know I've been teasing that for a few uh, weeks, but I, I want to just sort of, you know, again, continue to let this film marinate because it, it really, it's something you have to, I think, watch a, a, a few times to really soak it all in and, and take away from uh, the message and, and, and the performances. But uh, her performance, it is, it's devastating. And, and I mean that in the best way. I mean, it's it's one of those roles where it is, um, it stays with you. And it's not a... Uh, you know, sort of an over-the-top performance. I mean, certainly not with the subject matter of the film. Would you would you want or need a, a, a sort of over-dramatic uh, role? Um, this was, of course, based on a real-life individual. But her performance, it, it, there's so much subtlety in just, again, in stares, in, in sort of reactions that, I mean, that to me is always the mark of any great performance. It's It's what an actor doesn't say and I've said that about uh, Killian Murphy and, and, and Oppenheimer there's just something about sort of sort of muted reactions I mean sort of you know the point of acting sometimes is is just reacting it's not just delivering a line or, or making a, an impassioned speech but just sort of sitting there and listening and then reacting in a way through expression and uh, Lily Gladstone does that across the board in, in Killers of the Flower Moon and, and it's just it's it's hauntingly beautiful. It is a hauntingly beautiful performance, and it's really a as I said, it's a devastating one uh, because it, this is all you know, based on historical record. This is based on uh, real life individuals, and and again, of course, coming from the great Martin Scorsese, you would expect nothing uh, less. But then, when you sort of learn the behind the scenes uh, of Lily Gladstone's career, she was in the process of sort of moving away from acting and, and was planning to become an accountant because she hadn't uh, found any, any, any roles or any uh, you know, sort of you know, 
progression with her career. And you know, fortunately, this movie came along because it really illustrates and highlights just what a magnificent performer she is. And I mean, it, she gives a career best. There's no heads or tails uh, it, it, as far as I'm concerned. This is this is a career defining performance. And and and. Uh, what a what a loss it would have been to have uh, you know had her go on to become an a, you know a, an accountant uh, you know be, I mean not that you know to put down accountants or anything but I mean she uh, is is an artist and she has something to say and and it's just one of those films where it stays with you it has stayed with me ever since I've seen it and uh, again I will get more into it in uh, in a future episode but yeah that was. That was the big takeaway from the Golden Globes. Oppenheimer uh, really uh, is, is in the driver's seat, I think, heading into the major awards for the rest of the year. Uh, could be an upset, you know, you never know until the uh, until the envelope is open. But uh, certainly, if I was a if I was a betting man, I would put all of the uh, monopoly money on uh, on Oppenheimer. But uh, that kind of covers that end of the of the equation. Other thing I've been doing recently, I've made a New Year's resolution that I was going to watch a film a day and keep up with my uh, Letterbox account, which I've, I've always, uh, you know, strived to, to update and and uh, you know keep uh, keep uh, you know, up to date, so to speak. But uh, you know, always have fallen short, or I you know you know miss miss a miss a point or whatnot, and. Uh, you know, if you're if you're on uh, Letterboxd, you can you can follow me. I'll leave the uh, information in the, in the show notes. But I uh, you know, wanted to you know c- you know keep up with that and, and sort of follow as a journal uh, each film that I've I've watched uh, every day this year. And, and you know, so far, you know, I'm, I've I'm, I've kept my uh, kept my uh, my resolution. I have watched a film every single day. Uh, some new, some uh, some uh, f- you know familiar, and some rewatches. But uh, it, it's it's enjoyable, especially when you've seen a film a number of times. Uh, how it feels, you know, how what's the takeaway when you've uh, you know seen it again? Uh, you know, just you know, offhand, a few films that I have uh, done a rewatch on this year: uh, Back to School, starring uh, Roger Dangerfield; uh, Taken, starring Liam Neeson; The Dark Knight Rises. Uh, of course, you know, Christopher Nolan plug uh, there. Also, a few new films: uh, The Crime Is Mine. This is a French film, and, uh, and I would say, you know, if you're a little uh, leery, um, you know, because it's a foreign language film, you know, there are subtitles, so there is that. But it is a, it's a, it's a send up to the, the 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 great screwball comedies of the 30s and the 40s. Uh, it's actually set in the 1930s, so it has that time period and really works with the aesthetic. But it is it is a riot. It it, it is a it's it's a film about these two. Uh, two women, both down in their luck, both uh, penniless. Uh, one is a struggling actress. One is a struggling, uh, struggling lawyer. And uh, when the uh, when the former uh, is accused of a murder, uh, they both uh, scheme together uh, to to conf- you know say that she c- uh, committed the crime, and uh, you know thus you know puts on a, an elaborate trial even though she didn't uh you know commit the crime uh she you know takes the fall for it uh, so to speak and then ends up getting uh uh, uh found uh, innocent and then discovers a life of fame and and fortune and celebrity but then of course the truth uh, starts to uh to come out and it creates all of these different uh problems and uh, uh setbacks for the two of them it, it, it's it's a riot it, it's wacky it's zany 
Uh, and it actually has uh, an interesting commentary on sort of the social and uh, uh, sexual uh, politics and, and norms of the time. And it's actually quite interesting how everything old is, is new again, how, you know, sort of a past is, is a prologue. Uh, and I was definitely impressed with uh, sort of the commentary aspect in addition to just the, the, the zaniness of the film. So I would, I would highly recommend checking out this film. It was a, it was a real delight uh, for this, uh, for, for me. And I would, would recommend it hands down. Uh, another film that I wanted to, uh, to mention because I started actually the year off watching this film and it is Maestro. This is the, uh, the new film uh, by Bradley Cooper, and it's on Netflix right now. And it had a limited theatrical release, but it was—it's largely a Netflix film. And it is—it uh, is being built up. It, you know, it's sort of viewed as a as a strong Oscar contender. Um, you know, some might call it an Oscar bait film because of the nature of of just sort of the performances and sort of the. Um, subject matter. Uh, it's uh, about uh, the life of Leonard Bernstein, the uh, uh, famous uh, composer, and his his uh, life and marriage uh, to his wife Felicia. And uh, it also stars Carrie Mulligan, who plays uh, who plays Felicia. And it's uh, it's one of those films where y- you either like it or you don't. I-, I was not a fan of it, and you know it's not a a put down of of Cooper's performance, uh, but I. I found the film, the, the best way I can describe it is Killers of the Flower Moon is a three-and-a-half-hour film, and watching Maestro felt like five hours. Um, parse that for how, how you like, but it, it, it's, a, it's a biopic. Um, there, there is a love story uh, component to it. It sort of, again, deals with uh, their, their complicated marriage um, and, and sort of you know, his... Uh, uh, you know his uh, struggles with his sexuality and 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 sort of the the double life uh, that that they they led uh, in addition to his his composing, but I, I know I, I found the film to be to be overstuffed. I felt the performance uh, was fine, nothing nothing earth shattering. I actually thought Carrie Mulligan was the real standout of the film, and and, and frankly, I mean if I you know had you know, my say you know, with, you know vis-a-vis awards, I mean she would be you know the the the, the true contender, I think, because she really carries the film and she's the emotional backbone of it. But it, I, I, it was it was long longer than it than it than it, than it actually was. It felt longer, but it, it was I don't know. It, it just didn't land for me. And I think it's an example of a of a biopic uh, done wrong, where it, it almost tries too hard to uh, to say something or or make a point where again subtlety is often the best uh form with any film but particularly with a with a with a biopic i mean again i hate to go back to the the oppenheimer argument but that that is a a case of while it's not a straightforward biopic it's much more narratively pleasing uh, in sort of the way it's documenting and and telling about a point in time and, and history and uh you know uh maestro more or less felt almost like a book report uh so i was i was disappointed with that film because i you know i i like bradley cooper and i uh you know always curious to see what he uh you know what he would uh what he would do with the role but uh yeah it just didn't work for me and and i found it to be uh as i said a little bit uh over overstuffed and uh uh you know 
long-winded, so I uh, would not be uh, be recommending that film uh, for you. But certainly, you know, check it out for yourself and see uh, what you have to think about it. And the last film that I will just mention, and I will recommend this film, is the movie Saltburn. Again, this is another one that has a lot of varied reactions to it. A lot of people like it. A lot of people uh, don't. Uh, I personally enjoyed the film. It stars Barry Keoghan and Jacob Elordi, and it it is a it, it doesn't break any new ground uh, necessarily in terms of the story. It's it's a it's a similar one about a kind of you know a, a clash of the uh, of the classes, so to speak. You have a um, a, a kind of a a, a lower middle class uh, a kid uh, befriending a, a wealthy uh, uh, guy at his school and and sort of you know becoming friends uh, with him and then sort of you know you know resenting and yet uh, you know admiring and loving uh, him and his family and his wealth and then ultimately kind of plotting to uh, to to uh, uh, run away with it, so to speak. Uh, it doesn't break any new ground necessarily in that. So the story is familiar, but the the performances and the cinematography are what really seal the deal. Barry Keoghan uh, just continues to demonstrate, I think in my eyes, why he is a, a criminally underrated actor. He, he turns in these mesmerizing and, and frankly, uh, terrifying performances. And this is another case of, of his acting on on full display. Uh, again, beautifully shot film uh, a- and one that I-, I would recommend. There are some, uh, some moments which uh, you know, may, uh, may cause you to go, you know, WTF, uh, but uh, it- it's-, it's definitely a film that's uh, creating a lot of chatter and, and conversation. So uh, Saltburn uh, would be another film that uh, I would recommend for you. Uh, but that's all that I have for you today. Kind of wanted to you know, do, do uh, just sort of Kind of a wrap up of a, a number of films uh, that I have uh, I've watched recently or rewatched, and kind of uh, close out this uh, this season of Phil with the movies on that note. Uh, but next week, as I mentioned, will be the start of the third season of this show. So uh, a third season of uh, Phil with the movies is uh, on your way, and kind of give you a tease for next week's show. Not going to be talking about a particular movie but a genre of movies the uh, state of comic book films that is going to be the topic for next week's show this has been something i've been uh thinking about for a long time particularly as uh sort of the uh the genre uh, has taken a, a hit both financially uh, and critically, uh, as well as audience reception, uh, it, there there seems to be a a prevailing thought that we have uh, passed the heyday of the comic book film. But uh, I will save all of that for next week's show. Like I said, I've been thinking about this uh, for a while and thought this would be a, a great way to kick off the third season. So there you have it, season three on its way for next week. Thank you as always for tuning in and listening to the show means the world to me. That is all I have for you today. I'll be back next week, and we'll do this all over again for the love of movies. All copyright material used or referenced in this show belong to the rightful owners and is made possible by the Fair Use Act. Thank you for listening to Phil at the Movies.